0: Chapter thirteen of Human Toll by Barbara Bainton This LibriVox recording is in the public domain The tilt hooding the spring cart was insecure even the jolt from the down and up curving river bend near the house had brought it down twice. This was the third start. Peter had been adept with tilts, as old Stein had said so often that morning, while he Palmer and Gus had dubiously laboured at this elusive task but Peter would rig no more tilts, and primitively old Stein and Gus lamented this, as they missed his services. Mrs Stein cut short all such comments by an over-vehement list of his failings. And finally, it was her secure fingers that gave the requisite binding pass and firm twitch that had withstood the crucial descent and ascent of the riverbank. Mrs Stein's well-trained fingers could work without her eyes else, though anxious, she would not have watched. Mina, forced from home by her mother, was on the way to the husband, who after recrimination and repudiation had secretly gone to his bush home. Ursula, urged by Mrs. Stein constantly, and spurred by an indefinable impulse, had consented to go also. Well, dat was what I call a clean sweep, Mina, Pommer, Ursie, and, turning to where Peter lay. Poor old Peter, said Peter's brother. He waved his hat in token of Ursie's hand seen through the back of the tilt, then followed his wife dutifully to the back of the house. In addition to his regular duties, he now had Peter's. Mrs Stein had Mina's. When this was discussed as a difficulty by Mina's father. Oh Lord, Mina work," Mina's mother said, and actually ceased pinning back and up her skirts to raise her brow and hands oh lot the repetition finished the sentence eloquently Minnie's father too raised his hand and beginning at the point where peter lay he circuited to the now-hidden travellers well anyways it's a clean sweep he repeated mrs stein was now swiftly but surely removing the egg-trays from the incubator in mild surprise old stein watched her Goin' to stange them indicating the eggs. Give her aunt, was her reply, and together they pushed the incubator into Mina's room. S'posin' an Andrew clear out again once more from up there. Where will Mina sleep when she come back. She comes back ears no more, she said decisively. But sposin he clears out Less rubbish, more room, and to Mina comes back no more, she reiterated. When he, fagged by his double duties, was returning that afternoon, he saw a smoke ascending from outside. "'What game now she play?' he asked himself, as he distinguished his wife near one of the pig-scalding coppers. Doubt and even fear dwelt in his eyes, travelling from her tucked-up skirts down to her bare feet. But they rested without emotion on the bandages, emphasising her swollen leg. speed is best ad on you zed. You lose no time!' burst from him. Well, will Villy's any more wanted? Gus will nod wear it, I say, and you can't. Vill I leave it to rot? She pressed it firmly on her head for answer. She had Mina's bed and bedding outside as a finality. He angrily looked at her, but she was engrossed in active examination of the mortised crevices of the bedposts. Stooping, he picked up the two she specified for him to carry. Nice mother you are, I must say he fired at her. "'And you have a nice daughter, I must say,' she retorted. "'Mine, Christ! Ain't she you's daughter do?' "'No.' Shortly. Then challengingly, "'Am I de man-cat? Was I ever got about?' Most excellently she mewed. "'Vel, well, who vas? Not me,' he defended. "'You sister! ach Brenda! He breathed in relief. Yes, and when she leaf, I take down her pet, and it too was crawling. Her English suffered when she was angry. From the crevices of the last post, she withdrew a chocolate speck, squirming on the point of a long pin. This one was not born in the world yesterday, but if Mina was here she say so, excuses, excuses, always that. Ach, she go to hell, but she comes here no more. As they jolted along in the creaking old cart, Ursie daily watched Mina for signs of uneasiness. If Mina felt any misgivings, she betrayed none on the journey. With her head on a bag of seasoning herbs, given by Daddy Stein, she slept the best part of the day, waking refreshed and hungry when the cart stopped for their midday or evening meals. Ursula either walked or sat well forward, trying to escape from the nauseating smell for herbs. Dizzy with an effort to distract her thoughts, she would try to search for Boshy's landmarks so often described. Besides, she too had travelled along them, though to her, ages ago. Boshy had told her that he had wandered off the track last time. At dark he had camped, taking for his pillow a little rise that he thought was a deserted ant-heap. Next morning he discovered it was a grave. Maybe that little mound was it, or that, beyond, for there were many. Rarely they sighted some isolated boundary rider's hut, and early one morning they passed Gillway nothin' all. Palmer pointed it out. Twice they had struck a wine shanty, but it was not the shearing season. Consequently, neither had its staple commodity, a circumstance in the first instance unimportant to Palmer, who then, with characteristic generosity, produced his well-supplied barrel. But though equally importuned, he had none to spare for the last. What would Mina do if Andrew would not have her had troubled Daddy Stein, who had secretly discussed it with Ursula for Andrew had sworn that he would never live with Mina night and day now it haunted Ursula yet there lay his wife, seemingly unthinking of the alternative, and certainly unafraid and unconcerned and thought the overwrought girl she is puffing breaths of the aggressive seasoning in my face. Stop, let me get down and walk. Then she would walk for hours, and though she had often to do so, Palmer would uncomplainingly draw rein, and slacken the horse's speed to her pace. Generally such halts would waken Mina, who welcomed them only if they meant meal-time, waiting to alight until Palmer had prepared the fire, and Ursula spread the food. Mina had ears and smiles for his jokes, and understanding for many an innuendo mystic to Ursula that Ursula should dislike the smell of the seasoning herbs in the cart, or the pungent penny royal at intervals surrounding them, amused her. Surreptitiously she inserted a sprig of it into Ursula's pint of steaming tea. Its violent result convulsed her with merriment. "'Still, as mother'd say, sick after supper saves no meat,' she laughed, though her merriment instantly vanished when concerned Palmer forced Ursula to swallow some brandy. "'We'll sight the homestead to-morrow, Ursula,' one day he encouraged, for her worn white face touched him. With that day her heart shrank, and instinctively she turned to look at Mina, but Mina was outwardly unconcerned. "'Pine Point,' he indicated a sweeping curve of giant primeval pines, the extreme point of which had screened a semicircle of river-split plain. The cart stopped, and Ursula, overborne by a strong but trembling impulse, steadied herself by the tilt, and stood up on the shaft. Immediately under the glare of actuality, the mist of her ever-recurring subconsciousness dissolved. Every detail that met her eyes was familiar, and always had been, dreaming or waking, of a truth she might have told Boshy that she remembered. There was the old hut, the door faced the river, but she could plainly see the gap in the broken roof this side of the river though dwarfed by distance still mouldering were the miles scantier maybe but there beneath them she knew what though none now laboured as in her memory on the other side outlined by the sentinel pines was the home of her childhood beside it the paddocks from them she turned to where the well and troughs used to be the sheep were all round both and she could see the whim ascending and descending "'Worked by whom?' Breathlessly she sat down, and yoked by mutual agitation, she turned to Palmer. A purple hue had overspread his face, and the guilty grimness about his mouth quietened her different emotion. He made no reply to Mina, who, to manifest her careless freedom, talked louder and smiled continuously, but with her mouth only, Ursula noted. "'As they neared the well, Ursula saw the whim cease.' so did Palmer, and again his face changed, but he continued to drive till they crossed the river. Without a word he handed the reins to Mina, and slid down and disappeared under the river-bank. Instantly Mina ceased to smile. "'Has he gone to tell Andrew?' asked Ursula. "'How do I know where he's gone to?' she said, lashing the horses. But Ursula, though she watched for his appearance at the well, noticed that mina's eyes went the other way involuntarily ursula looked for the mile logs both unchanged were there tumble-down jimmy was dead she knew for boshy had told her how the blacks had buried him alive in front of the house the horses stopped but both women kept their seats their eyes fixed on the closed door as though waiting for it to open to welcome them yes you get down and open the door said Mina, assuming authority, to cover the trepidation that her just betrayed. Ursula struggled down, and Mina followed, then both stood aimlessly before the front door. "'Open it! Open it!' Mina's hands worked in harmony with her command. Both women tried, but neither could open it. Overborne by a sense of familiarity, Ursula went round to the back door, slipped her hand through the opening showing and slid back the bolt. "'What will we do with the horses?' Before entering she asked. Mina nodded towards the river. "'He'll see to them when he comes. Quick! Let's get in! He's comin!' Hastily they both entered. Near the top of the back door was an almost unused rusty bolt which Mina forced across. Ursula saw her spring high to reach it and heard its harsh creak. Then stood with her back against the table, despoiled of its original top, long ago by Boshy, her hands grasped the one replacing it. Mina sat on the sofa on the other side. The noise of galloping hoofs, the scrunch of a hasty foot sliding from the stirrup along the sand. then an authoritative rap and shake at the front door. A sense of her deceit struck and sickened Ursula as she saw a hand thrust through the back door as hers had been it was bolted above. He did not know, but she did, yet she was powerless to speak and say so. Above the emotional din in her ears she could hear someone demanding the door to be opened. Intently she watched how the outside force widened a crack from the bottom, till, with a splintering crash, it burst open. Through a mist, caused apparently to her by her own breath, she saw Andrew, saw him look at her, and realised that the horror and agony on his face was caused by her gasping breath. She saw him tower, then shrink, yet she could not spare him. It was fate that he should suffer, and great God pity him. For how he must be suffering, and again he might burst a blood vessel. She groaned and her hands went out to him, then dropped. He was Mina's husband. Oh, that terrible smell of blood! yet she must stir it or it would be ruined virtuously her hand went out circling in a vain endeavour to keep away mina's husband chapter